Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Want to join in on the phone? Give us a call, 888-728-9941. Jeff, you're laughing before the show starts. Uh, Paying close attention to me, right? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Did you watch football last night? A quarter. A quarter. Yeah. Did you stay away? Look, it's, it's, uh, it's you're getting on me. Now, I mean, now now I'm actually turning it on. Yes, you're watching. And it wasn't a particularly interesting game to begin with. The Titans versus Jaguars is not exactly a ratings killer up here. It wasn't. And you missed the best play of the game, which was the 99-yard touchdown run by Derrick Henry. But when I asked you about it before the show, you had the same reaction that like three other friends of mine had. Which you, was. you told me a story of a friend who didn't have him in their fantasy lineup. Yeah, uh, for, for, for my coworker who I who shall remain nameless, who who put him on his fantasy bench to put in Lashawn McCoy. I really don't know what to tell you. He's not alone. I had a bunch of people tell me how they're in playoffs this week, and then they left nearly fifty points or in some leagues over fifty points on the bench. So we'll leave that there. It's cold outside, but. Uh, we're going to talk a little baseball to, to warm hot things stove. up. Little hot stove. Yes. Todd Zalecki, are you excited and ready to head to warmer weather in Vegas for the winter meetings? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it should be a fun winter meetings. Uh, you know, potential, potentially could be a crazy winter meetings. Uh, but but uh, certainly, you know, and, and certainly a busier winter meetings than, than usual or should be a bit busier winter meetings than usual for the Phillies. Are the Phillies going to spend stupid money? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if they're going to do it next week, but uh, I still think they they have to do a lot more to really take that next step in the National League East. I don't I don't know if that means they're going to sign Harper or Machado. I think that they do want Machado over Harper, but um, you know I, if they strike out on both of those guys, I still think that they have to be aggressive and, and spend some money or, or allocate some resources elsewhere to improve this team. So let's talk first about what they did this week, and then we'll get into what they're still to do. I was pretty impressed with Klintak that all he had to give up was J.P. Crawford and Carlos Santana to get Gene Segura and the two pitchers for the bullpen. Uh, your thoughts on the deal and what it means for the team now? Yeah, I thought it was a really good deal, I, I th- and I thought it was a good deal because you had a guy uh, in Carlos Santana that didn't really – it didn't work. It did not work. Carlos Santana at first, Reese Hoskins and left. It did not work. Santana was owed $35 million. You traded him to a team and you got a player in return that is an immediate upgrade at another position. And you didn't have to give up any prospects or any cash to do it. And to me, that's what was the most surprising thing. Uh, I, I think it was probably Tuesday morning. Uh, I, w- I, w- I was talking to people about it, and I just I absolutely believe that they were going to include some prospects again or cash in that deal to make it more less one-sided, in my opinion. But but they didn't, uh, and I, and for that reason, I think it's a really a really nice trade for the Phillies. We'll see how how Segura fares in Philly, but but on paper anyway, it's it's they've definitely helped themselves a lot. What's the logic for the Mariners making that trade? Do they do they value J.P. Crawford that much? Because from what I'm hearing from people in Seattle, they're already shopping Carlos Santana, and their fans are losing their mind over the trade. They don't have that many. Yeah, yeah. Really, I think it was kind of a little bit of a of a money dump. You know, Segura is uh, signed through four more seasons, and I think he's owed you know twenty eight you know. 
60 million dollars. Santana's owed 35. They got rid of Juan Nicasio, who's making nine million dollars. So they end up saving themselves some money in the trade. So I think that's, I guess that was the benefit for the Mariners. Uh, the really otherwise, it, it just doesn't make any sense to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think that they can look at JP Crawford and say, "Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be an all-star." Uh, because he hasn't really shown that yet. So, again, I, I think it was more of a money dump than, than anything else. Story surfaced that uh, Diaz was being considered in that trade, but they wanted either um, Sanchez, Medina, or Romero. Um, are the Phillies, first of all, was that close to being done? And second, were the, are the Phillies adverse to giving up prospects at this point for anyone? Uh, was it close or not? I don't know if it was that. Uh, I don't know if it was close enough because I think uh, they they pulled back Sanchez uh, pretty quickly there. That was kind of maybe a deal breaker, or, you know, and kind of killed that talk. Um, but in terms of being averse to trading prospects, yeah, I do think they are to an extent. You know, it would have to be somebody something significant to to have to give up uh, Sixto Sanchez, Medina, um, Romero, whomever the case may be, whomever the guy is. Uh, the Phillies, the Phillies, rightly or wrongly, this front office valuable values controllable assets. So that means prospects. That means young players with a lot of team control. Um, and, and, and they really haven't gotten off that yet. So until they really make that trade where they include, you know, a, Two, a couple top 10 prospects and a young controllable player like, I'm just throwing a name up, Nick Williams or Nick Pavetta. Uh, until they do that, then, then you got to continue to believe that, that their philosophy has not changed. So Diaz ends up going to the Mets with Robinson Cano. Phillies get a few different arms in the Gene Segura deal. So now as it stands, Reese Hoskins moves back to first base. Segura gives you a two-time All-Star at shortstop. You talked potentially about the team liking Machado. I assume he would slot in at third base. If they don't get Bryce Harper as well, which I, I still don't see how Harper and Machado go the same place, but I'll listen to the rumors and be entertained. Um, what else do they look for? Because now they have an opening in the outfield with Hoskins moving to the infield, though I think it improves their defense immeasurably already. Yeah, their defense has definitely improved. It's better at shortstop. Uh, it's going to be much better in left field, assuming they pretty much put, you know, you could even put Nick Williams out there who's not that good defensively, and he'd be an upgrade over Reese Hoskins. Um, so say they sign Machado and he plays third base, you know, what they could do is they could go after a, a free agent like A.J. Pollock, a free agent like Michael Brantley, somebody like that that's going to cost, you know, he's going to cost a lot, but he's going to cost a heck of a lot less than Bryce Harper. And, and you know, what I've been told repeatedly is that there's absolutely no chance that the Phillies sign both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. It's going to be one or the other if they sign any at all. And like I mentioned earlier, I've been writing this week, uh, their preference, I believe, and what I've been told is Machado. I think, and I think they, just because I don't think he's going to direct, he's not going to probably not cost as much. He's going to cost a lot, but maybe not as much as Bryce Harper. He plays a premium position. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to sign earlier. So I think that has something to do with it as well. You know, if you get Manny Machado out of the way before the end of the year, you know, you have more time then to work on these other guys. Whereas I think Bryce Harper and Scott Boris are going to drag this thing out into, you know, mid-January, late January. Um, that, 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 that wouldn't surprise me. And presumably if Machado were to agree that that means he's coming to play third base, not to he doesn't want to be a shortstop at that point with Segura here. 
Well, that's kind of up in the air. I think that's what the Phillies are going to, going to pitch to him. They're going to say, hey, listen, um, we have Segura. We have the makings of a really awesome infield. We still want you to come here. How about if we give you $300 million? Could that, make you, could that, could that convince you to play third base? Would and convince me. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would absolutely convince me. I would yeah, do just uh, about yeah. anything they ask for on the team if whoa, they yeah, whoa, you're on the million. million dollars. Don't, don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. $5 million would convince me, but... So say, but say Manny goes, no, listen, it's, it, you know, I, I just want to play shortstop. I want to play shortstop. Well, you know, I asked Matt Klintak this question the other day. I said, you know, Segura spent the entire 2016 season playing second base uh, with the Diamondbacks. It was the best season of his career. So clearly he could move to second base in that scenario. But I also asked Matt Klintak, um, you know, can Segura play third base? And, and Matt's opinion was yes, even though he has not played it. If you're if you're a really good shortstop, you can probably be a really good third baseman as well. So, I think the Phillies are looking at all possibilities, and they've shown that they will try to fit square pegs in a round <laughs> holes. I.e., you know, signing Santana last year, despite the fact that they already had Reese Hoskins on the roster. We want round pegs, round holes, Todd. We want right. the team to fit. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that they would. You know, that's that that is the preference, but. Um, but if it means getting Manny Machado or not getting Manny Machado, uh, you know, I, I actually don't hate the idea of trading Cesar Hernandez and moving Segura to second if you can get Machado to play short. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm not the one. I'm not the one handing out the money or making the decisions. All right, one, one quick one. Well, I have two quick questions. First one is: Are they going to put in a rule about the shift? <laughs> It's Jeff's you know, pet it, peeve. It, it certainly sounds like it's moving that way, and I think that's really interesting. And, and um, so does you know, Ryan Bryce Howard Mark, thinks it's really interesting too. Oh yeah, I'm sure Ryan. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. Uh, you know all those left-handed pull hitters that uh, got crushed by the shift. Ryan Howard being one of Bryce Harper's numbers. I wrote about this the other day. You know Bryce Harper's numbers with and without the shift are are a lot different. Um, so if that happens, you know, Bryce Harper suddenly becomes a little bit more valuable. And I don't know, know if that decision is going to be made before Bryce Harper signs, but, but nevertheless, I, I, it, does, it does seem to be some movement in that department. I don't know if it's actually going to make a difference in the game, uh, but, but it, you know, it certainly sounds like it. All right, well, here's the most important prediction you're going to make. Minnesota versus Georgia Tech in the quick lane bowl. <laughs> ah, you know, I, I, honestly, I could not even tell you. Minnesota football to me has been, uh, you know, Minnesota football to me, they just never have been able to get over the hump. They haven't really gotten me truly excited in years and years. You know, they're always that eight and five, seven and six. You know, they play, you know, uh, Arizona State in a, in a, in a, like the Sun Bowl or something like that. Um, yeah, but this I, year I they go to Detroit. Have, yeah, this year they go to Detroit. You're not going? Exactly. No, no. You're not going to go row the boat? No, no. I'm not. I'm. I, when they when they start actually challenging for Big Ten title, maybe down the road, or uh, hey, Todd, then then I might jump on board. Todd, I'm a Rutgers grad, so I'd settle for what you've got right now over what I've <laughs> yeah. got right now. No, I hear you. I it's all it always could be worse, but um, that's you know, right. I, I would just like I would just like to see the Gophers football program kind of develop into something that they have in Wisconsin, where I'm from, and uh, you know be a little bit more dominant, but. Well, well, not meant to be, apparently. I'll be following you on Twitter at Todd Zalecki from the Winter Meetings for my latest news. Jeff, will you be following? I will. You'll be retweeting, right. sharing the information. Yeah, thanks for joining thanks us, Thanks for Todd. coming on, Todd. You have a great one. Hey, and safe travels. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. 
All right, Jeff. Yeah. He gave us a lot to talk about there. Yeah, th- this is going to be a very exciting winter meetings. Okay. I mean, it, it, following him is he's, you know, we talked last week about Keith Pompey and the the prolific writing that he was doing with all this Markel Fultz. I was like, he's been Butler. pumping out content. Yeah, well, that's it. So n- n- now you're going to have baseball. Spring training is still two months away. This makes you happy, and, and doesn't th- it? Oh, yeah. That we're talking I mean, baseball Exactly. Already. And there's, there's so much that can happen. There's so many different... We have no clue. All we know right now is Aaron Nola is on the team, Reese Hoskins is on the team, Gene Segura is, Gene on, the Segura team. is on the team, and a couple of left-handed Let- relievers. Literally, there's nobody else on the team that you can guarantee is going to be on the roster on opening day. Let's nobody. talk about Segura for a second. And they get a two-time All-Star who hit 308, uh, the 538 hits. to Jason Stark, he's got 69 games of under 70 strikeouts with six 600 plus hits i mean he's he's really he's in the he's in the top 10 in the major leagues in hardest to strike out which isn't something you could say about many phillies these days he instantly upgrades the defense too but what i found interesting Eh. was that conversation about where is he gonna fit because then he doesn't if you're moving him no that's but no he's actually a he's a better second baseman than he is a shortstop he is not but a third baseman jeff no. Well, that that I was kind of surprised <laughs> at, which amazes me because Mikel Franco, last time I checked, is still, still under team control yes. for quite a while. Yes. He's still, I believe he had over 20 home runs this year. Yes. He frustrates the heck out of people, but he seemed to, the second half of this season, figure it out, whether he can continue that without going back to old Mikel Franco swinging until his helmet falls off. Who knows? But, but the fact is, he's still here, and somehow it's like we have no third baseman. He is not mentioned he doesn't, at all. He doesn't get factored into this at all. No, he doesn't. Like, let, let's say, worst-case scenario, not, we don't sign Machado, we don't sign Harper, we don't sign anybody. It, who's playing third base? Is, does this Franco just get go, well, go to Franco, Lehigh Valley? I think Franco plays third base, and you sign an outfielder, you know, like he mentioned, A.J. Pollock or, or Brantley or somebody like that. So I'm going to put on my... my lawyer hat for a second i hate when you well no no because i because i I think it this whole the reason the shift discussion is so important does that make you want harper more yes they change because because my what i have said for weeks now is i don't want harper with this shift because he hit he's a pull hitter ground ball pull hitter and it's impacted him greatly over the last season so if you no longer can do the shift, and I still don't know what the mechanism is that they the would somehow the support them. Existence. It changes that whole dynamic, and then I do want Harper. Harper's not a good outfielder, by the way. He's not He's not a plus defender. So you want him for his hifting, hitting, and he's a gifted hitter, but not if he hits in the shift. But you said you said the one thing that I, I cannot imagine a day that goes by that Ryan Howard doesn't sit there and when he hears about banning the chef going seriously yeah right Can somebody please get me a time machine you couldn't have done this a couple of years sooner for yeah. me I mean his career would have been extended had he his career might be a Hall of Fame co- career if there for was how no much shift. he hit into yeah. the shift mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about uh, you you called your son to tell him about the trade for bullpen arms today. Tell me what the Angels fans' reactions are and what your son's reaction. Well, was. the first reaction was, did they what, did they trade the right one? So the Phillies traded Luis Garcia, <laughs> a left-handed reliever, for Jose Alvarez, an, Al- an uh, reliever with the Angels. 
the the Phillies have a very good 17-year-old um, shortstop named Garcia, who uh, we've had Sal on the show several times, and he's talked about how good a fielder he is, uh, even at the age of 17, that he was already a major league caliber fielder. Uh, we did trade the one that has six plus ERA. So we traded the right one. Yes. And good. what we got in return was a guy who has been a solid left-handed reliever for several years, whose statistics show it, who can pitch multiple innings. I'm not quite so people. If you look on sites for Angels fans, which I didn't know there were, <laughs> um, <laughs> you are just killing other fan bases it, it, today. It is you ripped on the Mariners. They can't fans, figure yeah. out what's going on. They, they, they have well, no. I can't either. I don't understand why these teams are making these moves. It's apparently based on some statistic that I'm not fully aware of. But if a guy has a 6.0 ERA, I would worry about it. I'd be concerned. But, but the guy that I now should be concerned is Adam Morgan, because the Phillies have now traded for two left-handed relievers. How many guys? How many left-handed relievers are they going to keep? So you don't think they would keep him in the bullpen? I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping that what the, this is going to be the move, that they're going to have three solid left-handed re- relievers who can pitch multiple innings because that's the way the league is going. Which is going to drive you nuts when they take a pitcher out in the second inning again. Yeah, because one of the guys the Phillies are going after now is Andrew Miller. Uh, now, I would like to have Andrew Miller from two and three years ago. I'm not, I'm not so sure I want Andrew Miller now. What concerns me is... Unless the Phillies really believe that they're contending this year, I'm concerned not with the the regular players, the, the everyday players. I'm concerned about the pitching that they're targeting because it seems like they're targeting older pitchers. Like, well, and who they, they were looking? going after Patrick Corbin, who signed right. a six-year, $140 million deal with the Nationals. And I don't, blame, I don't blame them for not signing him. Me, I, yeah. I wasn't – once I saw those numbers, I wasn't disappointed that they didn't sign but him. Do you, but do you want uh, Jay Happ – at this point in his career, I think I more prefer like the trade for like a Dallas Keuchel or or yeah. But the problem with Dallas Keuchel is, I mean, he still pitches a lot. He's the old innings eater, which doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, um, it's not like ha- they'll use him as an. He hasn't eater. been great since 2015. So is he really going to solve? I don't think the they're going to get a great pitcher unless they do unless they look for more of a blockbuster type deal where they put some of their chips in. Right, and I don't know if that's. Where this team well, is. Well, here's right now. here's the other name but, that's but, been floated out. But here's out. my question want... before you before you get there. Though. Yeah, they've been I won't remember, they've been reluctant okay. to put ships in, but bringing these players in, they're starting to basically block a lot of those players that are the chips. They're hoarding in the miners, <laughs> and so I get that you're hoarding, but at some point, if you're stocking the cupboard at the top. And there's not going to be room for them. Don't you have to start making some moves before the value goes down on well, them? Well, it's it's not even that simple because you have to. You there's only a certain number of players you can protect once they have a certain number of years of service. Yeah. So on the forty man roster, <clears throat> they're going to have some decisions to make because every time they get trade for one of these people, unless they're giving away somebody or cutting somebody from the forty man roster, they have to make a decision. So so they have that to deal with. But here's my question to you: the other name that keeps surfacing is Madison Bumgarner. Do you want Madison Bumgarner now? After his ATV accident? And it, I, two years ago, I would have loved that. He's not my him. top choice, but it depends what you have to give to get him. If you don't have to give too much to get him, I'd take a flyer on him because he's got experience and knows how to pitch. But it depends. I'm not, I'm not giving the farm for a Madison Bumgarner. I'm getting a younger pitcher with more upside if I'm making that trade. 
that that's just where I would come at it. Um, so before we move on from baseball, any other things that are kind of getting your attention? Paul Goldschmidt acquired by St. Louis Cardinals, big deal. You know, it's funny. I thought my initial reaction was, boy, the Cardinals made out great. They gave up a lot. But they gave up a lot. They gave up a yeah. lot of their... I mean, we talk about, are the Phillies willing to do a blockbuster deal? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of deal that people ask, are they willing to do? They gave up a lot of top prospects Look, in their I'm, system. Look, I'm, I'm cool that the Phillies didn't give up Sixto Sanchez for Edwin Diaz. Okay? Uh, the, we Relievers are not... Closer is not the issue, and, and please don't spend all that money on, on Kimbrell either. But if they don't... If they, what my concern is, is there's nothing that they can do to get rid of the to, to trade those players. And what I don't want to see is another Dominic Brown situation happen. So if, again, if the, my dream comes true and Mike Trout is available, <laughs> you're not giving up it, on that it, dream. And it requires Sixto Sanchez. I hope that there are trades that they would do and include prospects for. All right, I'm going to let you live with that dream and leave baseball there. Let's talk a little Sixers right now. Uh, we were down at the game last Friday night after the show. Uh, big win for the Sixers over the Wizards, not even really close. Then all of a sudden, Joel Embiid got tired, Jeff. He, he looked from the, <clears throat> from the outset of that game out of sorts. He was falling all over the place. He looked tired. You kept commenting on how he was like on the ground all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was. It was not. He was five for seventeen from field from just this regular. was a Toronto game the yeah. other night. He was zero for four from three pointers. He had four turnovers. He had a plus minus of minus twenty three. And I was texting in the middle of the game and going, "He just looks winded. He something." And and people have to remember, he needs a break. He's never played a full season like Should this before. Should the team have sat him down prior to the Toronto game? Okay, so. You can't say, in retrospect, you're asking the question because it just happened. But well, I'm asking the question because we saw his struggles in the games before. Toronto was the culmination of a three-game stretch where they were not Embiid's best games that he's had as a sixer. He looked tired. And in the Minnesota game, you and I both commented on the fact that because it was such a blowout, he didn't play that long. He got to rest a bunch in the second half. So right. maybe that kind of extended the life of it, but he looked tired. Yeah, I don't in the I don't after. I don't bl- I don't blame Brett for picking his spots and if you're going to pick your spot between sitting him against Toronto or sitting him against Detroit on the road. I sit him against Detroit on the road. Okay. Cuz I think that Detroit we can still match up with without him. I think as you Got see Amir to- Johnson and Mike Muscala there on Andre Drummond. Yeah. Andre Drummond is the happiest person in the world today that he doesn't have to deal with Joel Embiid Good, tonight. Because Monday he's going to be the saddest person <laughs> yeah, in the world cuz arrested Joel Embiid versus Drummond at home is going to be ugly. But look, this, the Sixers are 17 and 9. They've got the third best record in the East. Uh the Pistons are 13 and 9. They've played four fewer games than the Sixers at this point. They're in fourth place. So mm-hmm. You know, it should be a, a good test for the team. The Sixers are 13-1 and Can I, can I ask so. a little favor of Ben Simmons? I don't know if he's listening to answer your request, but go for it. Stop throwing it to the other team. <laughs> Do you think that's his goal? <laughs> no, but the the turnovers are starting to worry me. Is He, he had trying, seven turnovers against Toronto. Is he trying to incorporate other players in and passing the ball more that he's got more turnovers? No, or is it I sloppy think, play? I, I, th- I think that he's playing out of control at times. It's um, the headband. It could be. <laughs> it, do, it does. It puts a lot of pressure on. But but no, seriously, 
I worry about his turnovers, and I wonder if we're getting to the point where he might be better at the power forward. Dare well, I say it? You you have been saying that. Now with the lineup they'll have tonight, he mm-hmm. won't be playing the power forward. I know, but would you, would you move if you had a viable other backup point guard? Would you have TJ moved TJ McConnell into start and put Ben Simmons at the power forward? I think it depends who that other option is, and I think you want to be careful not to overexpose TJ. I like TJ McConnell a lot as a player. I think that in longer stretches, he his limits are exposed against certain players and teams. So, what to, what if you what if you have Demetrius Jackson play more? Oh, so you want to bring up your G League player, yeah, and have him mm-hmm. play more on him. I don't know if that's what they're go- looking to do. Well, um, if they, if they don't get another big man, I, I still don't. Then I, then I think you might be in that position. Do you at think some point. that he has that type of experience at this point to play? I mean, obviously, we saw sure. Shake Milton play um, in the blowout. He scored five points, his first NBA points. Looked comfortable in the game. You think Demetrius Jackson could fit in in that role? I mean, you're talking yeah, backup well, well, role, not starter role. Here's correct? the thing: I don't see uh, Ben is is incredibly skilled. He can still do everything that he does. From from the power forward position, but he doesn't do a lot of things that a traditional point guard does. The traditional point guard can in it, well traditional in this day and age, not in my day. There isn't a traditional right. point guard anymore. It, it is right is a guy that can still score off the ball and is also a guy who can do the pick and roll. Who do you see Joel Embiid doing the pick and roll with? You don't with see Redick. him doing right. He's running the pick and roll. With yeah, Redick. so so Ben's not doing those. Tra- if you can free him up. To get more movement and not have to carry the ball up as much. And this is more of an issue now because of Markel Fultz. I mean, he, but be, and that's the issue. So the latest update is that he is now out with thoracic outlet syndrome. Mm-hmm. He's already missed seven games, now gone potentially three to six weeks. His agent went and told ESPN. He won't be here this Before week. they told the team. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be rehabbing yeah. away what, from what the was team. Brett, what was Brett Brown's response? I, I believe it was, uh, it's a, it's news to me. Yeah. It, then nobody seemed really thrilled about how that, and look, the team has really Assume gone. Assume he's to, not playing this year. And and that's because that's why where Demetrius Jackson comes into, because now mm-hmm. your rotation on the bench is one person shorter. And so you need to go deeper into the bench. So you see Korkmaz getting more time. Korkmaz didn't get any time until they well, made that trade for Jimmy Butler. Thank goodness that Korkmaz has stepped up. He has played yeah. much better. Um, so you don't believe that Markel Fultz will ever come back on the court for Sixers? I didn't say never. I said this year. This year. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him on the court in a Sixers game this year. You might. I doubt it. But you might see him in a Blue Coats uniform this year. But I doubt it. So we'd be able to see him when we go down and watch. Yeah. And for our listeners, uh, you can catch us on Thursday nights on our other show, The Regiment. And you can catch the game Monday night. The Blue Coats play in Newark, Newark uh, at the Bob Carpenter Center. We'll be there, right, Jeff? Yep. And then in a month, they get their shiny new building. That's right. We mm-hmm. can't wait to, to see them open that. Any other NBA news that has kind of taken your attention before we move off some basketball? Well, how about Kevin Durant making those comments that no uh, star, young star player wants to play with LeBron? It is a very Ooh. interesting remarks. By the way, I I have a uh, my own little theory on this that is that Kevin Durant that this is his own recruiting thing. That remember Ke- Kevin Durant can opt out and become a free, he can be a free agent. agent, and I think this is not so much 
saying this about LeBron just for the sake of saying it. I think this is to kind of tell young players, young other stars, hey, come, with come me. play with me. Come play with me. Wherever that's going to be, it's going to be come play with me. Did you see the report that LeBron wants the Lakers to bring in Carmelo? Go ahead. <laughs> I, Go ahead. I intentionally it, didn't tell it, you that before we got on the air to see In your which reaction. case, can they please do like one of those HBO series following the team? I intentionally waited to tell you that. Carmelo is the most talented player who cannot win be be part of a winning team. Well, Syracuse. Okay. You in wanna, fairness, can you pick? Can you pick a team in the NBA that he played you for? You didn't. You didn't ask for that. Uh, it is. It <laughs> is amazing that he just doesn't fit within the NBA. Just whatever structure, whatever team he's in, he makes teams worse. Yeah, I. I don't think that the the Lakers are going to move in that direction, but something to watch. Jeff, why don't we hit the break? Uh, when we get back, we're going to be joined by Eagles great and current college referee William Thomas to talk some football. Stick with us. We'll be back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you ready to talk some football? Yeah, nobody cares about me right now. Why don't you introduce the person that people want to hear from? No, nobody really does care about you. William Thomas, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? It's Eagles Dallas week. We've got college bowl season coming up. How can we be bad? Life is good. (laughs) It's it's, it's about to be starting up soon. So when it's Eagles Dallas week, do you still get excited about that week do you still have that venom towards dallas oh yeah <laughs> i think every every philadelphia fan everyone played in philadelphia when it's dallas and philly time it's time to you know get get psyched any any particular memories from playing dallas that stand out for you uh, i mean my childhood is littered with memories of watching eagles players <laughs> against dallas <laughs> uh, well you, you know we through the i went through the good and bad times against that team so you know, I was on. I was out there when they had Troy Aikman, Emma Smith, and Michael Irvin and those guys, when they were doing everything good for the Cowboys. And then I was there when they when the the tide changed too. So, you know, it's some good and bad it goes with. Well, we will get and, uh, a lot of memories. We will get to what we're going to see this week on Sunday afternoon in a second. Wanted to ask you about last week's game. What you saw with the team? Obviously, Colt McCoy gets injured early in the game for the Redskins. Mark Sanchez comes in. Eagles defense, other than a huge run for Adrian Peterson, seemed to play pretty well. What what did you see through your eyes from the team last Monday night? Well, like you said, um, 
it's, it seemed like they all came came to play. You know, we uh, we we knew we had to get that game, and I think they went out there and they did what they needed to do. But uh, like I said, I, like you said, I would have loved to not have seen a big ninety-yard uh, touchdown run against our defense. How do you not know that's coming? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you're backed up. Mark Sanchez comes in the game. Do you think he's going to do anything other than hand off the ball there? He's been on the roster for, what, a week and a half there? Well, he might pull off a butt yeah. fumble. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm watching. It's one, it's one of those things where you know somebody, somebody messed up in an assignment. I'm do, telling you that now. As somebody who played, like, you probably have a different reaction. Like, I'm throwing stuff at the TV, and I don't even know who missed their block. Are you sitting there, like, trying to scrutinize, all right, who screwed that up? What happened there? Oh, yeah, I look at it closely. Oh, that's your fault. I see you're in the wrong gap, why did you go in that gap? That's the wrong gap right there. Yeah. They seem to get a little <laughs> bit of a better balance last week with Josh Adams running the ball. Um, obviously, they play better when they, they play from in front and the other team has to chase them. What did you see from Carson yeah. Wentz? Sort of the, the good and the bad. Had some really good throws. Seemed a little off-target other plays. How are you feeling about his play in the offense right now? Not little Carson. I mean, he, he's a great player. And we all know that uh, he's... He's the future, and uh, we love having him in there. Of course, with, along with, with all great quarterbacks, they make a bad throw every now and then, and you'd be like, what the heck? But it is what it is. It comes with the territory. What, what was it like to see Darren Sproles back on the field? Little Mighty Mouse team seemed to enjoy the fact he bowled over some people for a touchdown to get back in there. I know some of us question whether he'd get back on the field this season. You think he'll be able You're talking to... talking about me. I, I did not name you, okay. but yes, you did You did ask that question. Mm-hmm. See, William, I was trying to be nice there. I wasn't trying to throw my man under the bus. I understand. And, I understand. And here he goes. But but it was great to see Sproles back there, and, and you see what the team thought they were going to have when he came back a few weeks ago and got injured again. Yeah. Uh, after that game, were yeah. you encouraged that he's going to be able to kind of stay healthy the rest of the season a little bit now? Well... Uh, honestly, um, as a as a linebacker, and I know how how running backs how much they run the ball, how how, how much uh, stress they put on their bodies. Um, I know he's a, a hard worker, but I I just I'm not uh, I'm not positive that uh, he'll be set to go. All right. I just, I just I just think it's too much time, too much time on the on the body. See, and and so that's, that's just wh- my honest opinion. That that's where I was coming from. All right, defend yourself. So, yes. All right. So so. <laughs> He's an older player with a hamstring injury. And what I tried to explain to Jason is the older you get, the hamstring injuries take longer and longer to recover from. Well, hamstrings are, are, are bad anyway. It's, it's just hard to, to totally heal a hamstring, especially when you have a, a speedy guy who uses quick twitch muscles like, uh, like Sproles all the time. It's, it's tough. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it can be nagging, and it can it can end quickly if if it, if it's healed if it heals quickly it won't come back but you know he's one of those players that you know he he he's, he has quick bursts so it's putting a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on his hamstring. All right, so so play defensive coordinator now. How, how are you going to shut down Ezekiel Elliott this week? <laughs> you got to have eight man fronts and everybody got to stay in their gaps. Got to stay in your gap and control your gap and get off and get to the ball. It's, that's about as simple as it gets when it's stopping the run. All right, I got I got an unrelated but related question that bothers me every week that I see this in the game. The Eagles get a, a team in like third and fifteen, and they back up to the sticks fifteen <laughs> yards away, and give up thirteen or fourteen yards for a fourth and one rather than playing the aggressive defense. Am I crazy to think that's not the best idea? <laughs> well, 
Hey, you know, when we go back to the Jim Johnson days, you know what happened on third and fifteen. You blitzed, and, and it wasn't it wasn't sitting back at at uh, at fifteen. So, and, and I guess I'm, I'm, you know, I'm defensive minded, and I like like to be aggressive, but I also like to get interceptions too. So I would like to throw in some zone blitzes if if they had them, but I don't know if they do. I guess that's what I'm used to is the aggressive Eagles defense, and it just puzzles me to watch it yeah. and it's the same thing every time you play aggressive on first and second down you get them in third and long you back up to the sticks and all of a sudden they've got short yardage where they can now make a decision all right are we going to try and be aggressive and go for it for one yard here yeah. rather than it's fourth and 15 of course we're going to punt the ball now like i just i don't understand well, it's one of those things that you have to remember that every, everybody in the league is a professional athlete so yeah if you if you have a good runner and you just throw it out there to the flat and he's able to make a couple guys miss. That's that's a first down. With, with the change, you, that's just the, that's the nature of it. That's the nature of the game. You know, you you mentioned athletes out there. You mentioned Jim Jim Johnson and how aggressive he is. You don't see a lot of defensive coordinators that are that are that aggressive. Is is? Well, this it, is what I tell you about Jim. Jim was a safe, aggressive type of uh, uh, coach. He he didn't he didn't leave the guys out there on the island when he blitzed. He didn't he didn't leave them out there. Only every, only in a few instances when he left him out there on an island. So, like I said, he had some great, he had a great zone blitz package that uh, that was hard to stop. Why don't we see more teams incorporate that type of approach at this point? It just seems like I understand that the rules are different now, and it's more of an offensive game. You can't really put your hands on the receiver, but it seems like a, a zone blitz defense like that would be effective at certain times. And when we see these guys out on islands where, you know, at times the Eagles have their fifth and sixth cornerback depth-wise on the field, and they've got them in man coverage. I, I just don't understand why you don't cover up for those weaknesses, I guess. Well, like I said, I don't know if they do run zone business or if they don't. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I, so, I, so I can't really say what they do. I just know that, uh, you know, when you get in situations and you blitz, if the corner can't hold down in man, it's going to be trouble. So, That's just the bottom line. So they're going to Dallas this week. Uh, didn't have Lane Johnson in week 10 when they played. Demarcus Lawrence had a field day. Um, Eagles right. offensive line against the Cowboys D-line. What are you expecting to see this week? Jason Kelsey was a monster last week. He had one block where he took two guys out. It was fun to yeah. watch them kind of be road graders. What do you think we're going to see this week from this team? Well, I think you got to keep them off balance. I mean, you don't want that defense to know exactly what you're running. That's That's the nature of... That's a, that's that's what uh, Coach Peterson has to do with the. Uh, he has a chess game he had to work with. Keep them off balance, and I don't think they're a very big defense. So I think you can run at them, and once you get them on their on their heels, you know you keep running and then you will play action on them. All right, so let's go back to the defense then. You, you're talking about eight men in the box. Do, do the Eagles have the horses in the defensive backfield to stop the pass if they do that? Well, that's the thing. You gotta. You have to. Like I said, it's a chess match. You got to mix it in with zone and and mix it in with man. This, you know, sometimes you can roll roll a safety over top of of a guy and and and, and double team a guy. You know, it's certain different things you can do as a defense to uh, combat certain things and also have a an eight man front, even if it's man to man coverage too. You you played on you some, can have help. You played on some defenses that that talked a lot but backed it up. Uh, any thoughts on Camu Gruje Hill's? Uh, talk this week about Dallas always choking. <laughs> Who's which? That's the linebacker, right? The linebacker. Yep. Yeah, he said. He said Dallas will choke. That's what they always do. <laughs> I don't think. Oh. Doug, I don't think Doug Peterson was real Boy, happy with that. Like well, this talk, is huh? one thing. I, as a player, as a player, I never wanted to get chalkboard talk. I never wanted to get a, a, anything on the chalkboard because 
that gives the other team more uh, incentive to make you look bad, so to say. It, it gets them revved up. If you get anything put on the chalkboard, that's something that the team looks at all week, and they wait until the game time, and they really be amped up because of things like that. Yeah. So it's one of those things that even though we probably knew on some of our defense, like in 91, we knew what we were going to go out there and do, but we never had to say anything. No, you let your play talk enough. You didn't need to say anything right. there. Yeah, well, right. J- yeah, J- just, you just let the, let, the, let the play take care of itself. Yeah, I kind of cringed when he said that because all I keep thinking is Jalen Ramsey's been talking all season and it's not been working out for him. Not, not worked out very well. Yeah, it's not looking good for <laughs> Yeah, for Jacksonville right about now, yeah. So you're going to be heading to New Orleans next week for the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, what's, what's that experience? Yeah, the New Orleans Bowl, yeah. What's that yeah. experience like after all the success you've had in college and pro to now be, um, you know, we talked last time you're on about what it's like to be out there reffing, but now you're out there reffing in a bowl game. What, what's that like for you? Totally no different. curfew. No curfew. Yeah, you can go out there what you want in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, Jeff's, well, Jeff's jealous. Curfew, but I just can't tell it, you know. That's right. No, I tell you, we um, – it's different. It's it, it's going to be my first bowl game, and obviously I'm be, I'm super excited about it. Congratulations! And but I still I'm still going to treat it, you know, just like I treated every other game this year, and go out and officiate it, you know. But I I, I know it's a it's a it's a privilege, it's a and it's you know it's an honor to be a part of it. What was your what was your most uh, memorable appearance in a bowl game? Holiday Bowl. The who that, was, do you remember who the quarterback Texas was? A&M versus, oh yeah. <laughs> I knew I know very well. Ty Detmer. That was the game where you d- were defensive most valuable player. Uh Jeff did <laughs> yeah. his Jeff did his research on that one. What was that experience like you they know, anni- you annihilated BYU. Yeah. <laughs> I felt Well, bad like you remember, I, remember you, you know when you talk about ch- uh chalkboard talk? Yeah. Well, going into the game they say we weren't a good enough team to play against them. We should, they should not be playing against us. So so okay. So that worked out well. So tell me, you're on a team that gets that chalkboard material. What's the reaction yeah. in the locker room as a player when you see that? Like it's up there, you know where they're coming at. It's not like you were surprised before, right. but what does that do to you as a team now? You know, like an adrenaline rush. You know, like wait a minute, did they really just say that? Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, we gotta go out there and show them. And once you get out there on the field, and once you know, all that adrenaline just just kicks in. And once we started uh, beating on them, it seemed like they were just like, whoa, wait a minute. This, this team is different than what we, what we, what we thought. We should have know? kept our mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, let us sleep in dog sleep, right? That's yeah. why I tell Jeff not to trash talk while we do the show. Just yeah, do the show. That, that's, the, that's the reason. So can, so can you bring us back some uh, oysters from uh, New Orleans? <laughs> Look at some Jeff. Some po' boys? Look at Jeff. Uh, I'm always I don't eat them all food. up before they get back. Yeah. Jeff is always <laughs> angling for is, some is there Is there a better food city than New Orleans? Oh, it's awesome food, yeah. man. Well, awesome. So you look forward to New Orleans food. We will be uh, looking out for you on the field uh, during the game and always appreciate you joining us to drop some knowledge on what's going on with the birds and the bowl and everything else. Uh, appreciate it, guys. No problem at all. Call anytime. You Take have care. a great one. Uh, you too. Take care. Jeff, are you jealous that you don't get to get some oysters down there yeah. in New Orleans? New Orleans, I'm telling you. Uh, look, there are great restaurants in Philadelphia. But the type of food, if I lived in New Orleans, man, I'd weigh 500 pounds. I mean, the food is so good, I'm glad but we got it's to, so rich. I'm glad we got to talk to him about that bulletin board material. I didn't realize that that— by, by, by the way, so here—I didn't even think about it until just now when we got off the phone with him. Do you think of BYU as a team that's talking smack? No, I would not think of them as trash talkers. <laughs> like, that's not the team does, that— Does Ty Detmer—it couldn't have been Ty Detmer. No, Ty Detmer doesn't There's talk. no way. <laughs> but— 
it's just the mentality of a team when that happens. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know that that's not the NFL anymore. Some people like that trash talk. I, I could do without it. Go out there and play the game. Right. Like that's really more what I care about at this point. See, but you know, it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear a player's perspective because my thought would be is if you put up bulletin, if you say something like that, you're already trying your hardest. So how much more could it motivate you? But to some players, they they say that it really gets under their skin. I guess it depends on what you're saying too. I mean, if somebody, I'm sure that if, if I said a few things about you, I'd yeah. get you pretty angry for a show that you were going to do anyway. Yeah, but what am I going to do differently as a talk show host? Oh, I mean, might, that's a, you might treat Brett badly behind the glass. <laughs> over that. I don't know. <laughs> depends where you decide to take everything out. Let's talk a little Eagles Dallas. We talked some with him. Um, about the matchups, yeah. Golden Tate's integration. Let's get to him real fast. Last week against the Redskins, seven he passes for 85 yards, looked yes. better. Um, back in week four when he was still with the Lions. Not so sure about the dance, though. You didn't like the worm? No, I'm not a big You're fan You're just of jealous because you can't do it. <laughs> this, this, week, this week, if he's listening, can he do the, the gator? I'll, I'll pass sure, that message on. Yeah, huh? I, I just... I wasn't expecting that that response back. Um, but, Are we taking requests? <laughs> wherever you want to go. Uh, but so in week four, he was on the Lions, played the Cowboys, really had a very impactful game. It's what I thought we were going to get out of in week 10, mm-hmm. which was his first game in. So we'll see how that works. Alshon Jeffrey, in the last five games, he hasn't had more than 48 receiving yards in any game. In week 10, Zach Ertz was huge. Huge, and he's been huge all season, and he's on the verge he, of potentially setting records. Right, he's about to be, break Jason Witten. Of record. course, didn't you hear them talk about it over um, and over and over and yes. over again on the Monday okay. Night broadcast? Is there anybody that missed that he got Jason Witten's jersey? Oh my God, it drove me nuts. I just want to watch a football game, Jeff. Uh, by the way, I, I do not want to watch Monday Night Football anymore unless I need. I can turn off the sound, or they can change this because. Monday night football. You don't like the booger mobile? <clears throat> Can you imagine be, having like paying for seats and booger keeps? I actually more, like Joe Tessator as a broadcaster. No, no, but but booger belongs in the booth. Jayton, Jason Witten belongs out of the booth, and they need to stop. Is that like an anti-Dallas thing, or he's not a good broadcaster thing? <laughs> it's both. But, but <laughs> just checking. No, I I I think that Monday night football is trying to turn a football game into a. Uh, like a variety show, it, like a talk show. It, that's not what it's supposed to be. I want to watch football and get insight from these guys. Yeah, and but they feel like I'm they not already getting have that. you. They're looking to get different people into their audience. They're not. They're not going to get people who don't watch football to watch football. The Booger Mobile is not going to do it for him. No, but Booger's good. He belongs He's, in. It's he Booger should McFarland be, for our listeners who aren't sure who it is. Oh. Um, yes, we're not making fun of somebody. That's his actual nickname. That's what he goes by, and he is really good. He gives good insight, but I, I, I don't need him dropping in from his little mobile on the side. He should be the guy in the booth in Witten's spot. Witten doesn't add anything to the game, and he's got no personality. This weekend, you get Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling the game. Your thoughts, Jeff? Uh, see, I'm, I'm not a, a Buck hater. I actually think that he's very intelligent and calls good game. And I, I just think every fan base thinks that Joe Buck that, hates see, that's, their team. That's my so, point. Like, I, you, I've been to enough cities where every single city says that Joe Buck 
is anti whatever city he's in. Which and means he's doing a good job if everybody hates him. Exactly. It just means that he's complimentary of the city and the team. He's not a negative broadcaster, I think is what people should realize. Yeah. So Dallas Stadium, over 100,000 people there Sunday Oh, and afternoon. by the way, did I, did I forget to mention that, that Jason Witten also brought up Santa Claus and Snowballs? In the first couple come minutes on. of the game. How weak is that? Like, come on. Bring- that, but see, that shows you how little he had to add to the game if that's what we have to start off in the first quarter with. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I mean, my wife would tell you I'm oblivious to most everything, but I definitely pay attention to <laughs> announcers and things like that. And it just it was nails on a chalkboard for me. I didn't understand it. It was so weak with what they were doing. All right, we'll, we'll leave that there. No, we won't until you... Now I'm going to make you do something. You're going to make me out for prediction. a prediction. I don't oh, know. Oh, I love it. I, I'm so bad at Go. this. You make yours. Go time. I, I have no idea. It's silence on the air. You're sad. I don't... I think that the Eagles... 27-23 Eagles. You think the Eagles are going to win? Yes. So I want them to win, but I have some oh, concerns about the secondary. Just make a prediction. Uh, why? I let you make yours. <laughs> Haven't we decided already that I'm the waffly one of this? Yes, you are. All right, so we'll leave that there. See, I think you should move to Atlanta, where chicken and waffles are king. That's fine. Uh I enjoy chicken and waffles. I know. I do not take your insult personally (laughs) right there at all. Brett wants to drop in and make a comment here. 18-15 Dallas Cowboys. Field goal kick. That's your pick? What? Where did you get that from? Top of my head. Yeah, go back there. <laughs> Sadly, I want the Eagles to win, but I don't want to get hopes up. All right. 18, nobody has ever predicted so that's in our, the history of football, 1850. That's our show pick, Jason and Chicken Waffles. Is that waffles. six field goals to five? I don't I don't know. We'll just leave that there. Let, let's get to some college football, though. In town. In college town. football is not over. It's not a bowl game, and it's the best game of the year. And we're both going. Mm -hmm. And for me, I I told you this is a bucket list item. I have wanted to go to this game since I was watching it when I was five years old with my dad. I'm going to go down and see Army-Navy this weekend. Who are you rooting for? I don't know. Well, I'm I'm sitting on the Navy side, but I've always rooted for Army for some reason. Then root for Army. Is that wrong? Is that what you're going to root for? I don't know. I'll probably waffle right. back and forth. Oh my! You know, you know how it works. You know, you would be perfect to be the Secretary of Defense <laughs> because they change. They they give them from one side to the other I'd at halftime. I'd be the person that they swap at halftime. Don't worry. But you've got a. <laughs> you would be the hostage swap. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got a special experience going on though. You did not realize that you were going to the football game. You thought you were going someplace else. No, I thought I was going to a college football game up in Newark, and and then my son college dropped basketball on, game. Yeah, and then my yeah. son dropped on me that uh, we're going to spend the day going to the game and you know I, I think we've talked about this before but this game is better than any game you can possibly imagine in, in college or pro football because of the traditions because of the respect that everybody has towards each other they, they the army and navy hate each other when it comes to football but they come together for all these traditions before and Get there an hour early. I know it's going to be hard with all the additional security. If you want to get there an hour early, leave four hours early. Yeah. But, it, but it, it is worth it to see the guys parachuting in if the, if it's not too windy and the flyovers that they do. The weather it, should be good. It should be cold out, but it should be clear. Yeah. Um, good game. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the uniforms. The the Army uniforms look sweet with the, the black and red, but the Navy yeah, have... It's a little too Ohio State-ish. For the me. Navy goat on the, on the helmet... helmet. 
uh, looks pretty good. Okay, you bring up Ohio State for a sec. We'll go away from Army Navy. We'll talk about that next week. What what we saw yeah. there. We'll talk about a little more. You bring up Ohio State. Uh, do you I want know. To talk it, about their bacon vending machines, or do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'd prefer to talk about the bacon vending <laughs> machines, but I think you want to talk about how Urban Meyer won't be there anymore. Goodbye, Urban. That saddens yes. you, correct? No, but but uh, look, as I. I Admittedly, am biased. I always enjoy when you right. give that disclaimer. I yes. may just have Brett record that and drop that in. But, I am admittedly biased, and, but I do. I wish him nothing but good health. But when he retired from Florida, I believe he retired is what he said. Well, they asked him if it was his last job, and he said that's complicated. It's really not complicated it, if it, you think it, it's it your really last isn't. Job. So you want look? He had a lot of problems this year. He had the coaching issue. It, Urban tends to leave stuff behind, and it's never good stuff. Wow. Is that a Michigan man talking here? No, no. That is because I felt that way when he was at Florida, too. So we'll see what happens. They're playing in the Rose Bowl against Washington. Uh, Before we get to the bowl games, let's get to some more coaching change news. Fortunately, Temple's going to have to find themselves a new head coach. This personally saddens me. As, As somebody, even though I did not go to Temple... You know, we've had a chance to get to know Jeff Collins. Had him on the, the show a couple, couple of times. We went out and we did their preseason special, and he is—he is more. He's a great coach. I mean, he really is. Having we, you and I got to go there and and watch them at practice at the beginning of the season, how hard he works the guys, how much they respect him, how much he cared and, for them. Yes, and, and 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 he's he's more than just a good coach. He's a good person, and you don't get to say that about every coach especially the one I was just talking to about before this shot. But yes, <laughs> but that wasn't necessary, Jeff. It, it's, it's so frustrating because Temple's had a series of really good coaches and they just haven't been able to keep them because of where they are. And you hope that somebody does stay, but I don't blame him for no, what it's he's okay. done. He's going to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, he's Tech a, has he been was, a good program He was on past. Georgia Tech's staff. Growing up and coming up in this, yeah, this is going home for him. Yeah, I mean, this is probably one of his dream jobs. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at it, and you know, they always say, "Oh, where I'm at is my dream job now." But if you're looking at it, he's from there. He's been there. He's going back home, so you can't really fault him. But it is disappointing because it looked like he was building something good. You know, they had tough start to the season, finished eight and four. He won't coach them in the bowl game. Ed Foley will coach them, and they are commencing a search for a new coach now. So we'll see what they end up with and and what sort of happens with the team going forward. But they've turned into a program that is an opportunity to, at the very least, showcase your ability to coach. I also also hope that they keep a lot of this. I hope that whoever the new coach is keeps a lot of the staff because they had a really good staff. Dave Patineau did a great job. Yeah. And and I I think that staff is, if they can keep it together and, and maybe even promote from within, you know, promote a really young guy. Well, we'll and, s- and somebody that'll stick around for a few years. We'll see what they end up doing, who stays with him, who goes. Um, let's get back to the – so the college football playoff is set, Jeff. Clemson plays Notre Dame in the first semifinal. Alabama will play Oklahoma in the second semifinal. Your, your thoughts on how everything worked itself out? It didn't work itself out. It, it, it was the – was <coughs> the, That was profound. Uh, well, I don't, th- <laughs> I don't think it worked itself out. I think that – I think that – the, the game is is not level, and I say that as much as I have laughed at UCF in the past, they are undefeated, and the more elitism I hear out of the Power Five conferences, 
I start to feel for them because when the SEC um, has the SEC play a tougher schedule while Alabama is playing Liberty, Citadel yeah, or, Liberty. I mean, I'm sorry, Citadel. Yeah. Um, what are they supposed to do? If, if nobody will schedule them as one of their non-conference games, what are they supposed to do? They didn't even get sure. any consideration. No, and they made and they, for it. Look, and that was set the week before, by the way, as we said, with the way that those rankings were set up. That if yeah, Georgia every, lost, there was really no chance for every, UCF everybody to jump that there. asked me after Michigan lost to Ohio State, why is Michigan still ranked seventh? I said, look who's look who's eighth. It it was to block the UCF from being able to make the finals, so or the final four. So now what you have is you have Clemson, Notre Dame, which Clemson is a double digit. Uh, favorite, and you have Alabama, Oklahoma, and Alabama is a double-digit favorite, and you're probably looking at two semifinals. Do you give, that are going to be blowouts? And so you don't give Notre Dame or Oklahoma a chance. No, you don't mm-hmm. think they're going to be close at all. No. Okay. That's although, although the Oklahoma Alabama game is basically the Heisman Trophy game, and even you, though they've already <coughs> decided it because those two quarterbacks are through the roof, really good. I actually I had never seen Kyler Murray play before last week. He's good. He's he should get the Heisman Trophy, and he's going to play baseball. Good. Yeah, he's not even going to play football. Mm-hmm. He's already been drafted, and he's saying he's going to play baseball next year. Uh, let's talk about the other selection committee bowl games before we hop out of here. Uh, Jeff, you are going to go to the Citrus Bowl, Florida versus no, Michigan. I'm going to the or peach the Peach Bowl. bowl. I have I've to get that been. right. It's a fruit. But, Florida yeah. versus Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, are you excited? Yeah, yeah. I'm, actually, I'm excited to see the new stadium. Any Michigan players say they're not playing yet? I know yes. you hate that. Rashawn Gary has said that he's not playing. Yeah, I know you hate when players do. That. I, 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 I did. I'm getting to again. I'm getting to the point now. I understand it, and which is another reason you have to expand the playoffs because then the games will mean something and the players will play. But when you're in a bowl game, this is just an extra 30 days of practice and getting younger guys into games. We mentioned Ohio State playing in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, Georgia, Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and LSU plays UCF in the Fiesta Bowl. UCF is going to take it out on LSU. Even with their backup quarterback, you mm-hmm. think they're going to take it out on well, them? How many points did they score with their backup quarterback last I week? Do wanna, look, that would be something to shut up the SEC commissioner mm-hmm. if you go and you wax an SEC team. Yeah, they should have consulted with LSU before he said that. Yeah, that would be something. Before we get out of here, Chris Long was named the 2018 Eagles honoree for the Walton Peyton Man, Peyton well Man of the deserved. Year Award. Well Absolutely deserved. well deserved. Uh, that's what you like and to another see. another example of how sports benefits community. And that's what you like to see, them giving mm-hmm. back to the community and really being involved and being there and supporting people. And the Eagles are very good at doing that. Yes. Jeff, any last comments before we hit the road? Army Navy tomorrow. We will be there. Thank Go you, Navy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.